listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast. What is up, Houdat Nation? Welcome inside another edition of the Straight Up Saints podcast presented by Boot Crew Media and Ornitos Tequila. It's your host, Chris Rosvoglu. And let's face it, last week was so bad for the New Orleans Saints that I was sitting there on a Sunday having to go to town on those Ornitos Tequila Seltzers you see right there, which, by the way, is the official sponsor of the Straight Up Saints podcast. And I know a lot of you guys after week one, including myself, were so excited. How could we not? 38 to 3. You thrash the Packers, and then it's week two, and you're ready for an encore. Instead, the encore is so bad, it's pretty much a sequel of a really shitty movie, and you just didn't want to see it, and the Saints got absolutely dominated by the Carolina Panthers, and that led to so many questions from every Saints fan out there, including myself, talking about what is this actual offense? Is the O-line all right? Is Jameis Winston all right? We're going to talk about all that in a little bit because I'm going to preview the Saints upcoming matchup with the New England Patriots, which, by the way, should be a really fun one. And obviously, as always, if you guys are listening to the stream, drop in any comments, questions, concerns, jokes, whatever you want. I'll pull them up on the screen mid-show and obviously talk about it. But it should be really interesting to see how the Saints kind of, in a way, have to rebound and show what they're going to be at this juncture. Because after a great game in week one and a terrible outing in week two, a lot of us are wondering, is this what the Saints are going to be? Well, I think we're going to find out in week three a little bit more is the fire out at the Superdome. That was something really insane that happened earlier this week. There was a fire. Thankfully it's out. They don't think it's going to affect the saints possibly returning to the dome for week four, which everyone's hoping they can do saints giants week four. That would be pretty awesome. But before you get a week four, you got to get through week three, which like I said, saints Patriots. And if the saints are going to beat the Patriots, which and everyone believes it's a slug fest. And by the way, guys, I also do believe it's going to be a slug fest. And I'll talk about that in a little bit. The Saints need to be healthy, and that was one thing the Saints were not against the Carolina Panthers. I know we talk about the coaching staff just being sick and them not having enough weapons on offense, which, by the way, are two major concerns. Thankfully, the former will be okay. I think the 10-day window for the Saints coaches is coming up, and I do expect a lot of them to be back against the Patriots. I can't just sit here and tell you that all of them will be back, but I expect a lot of the assistant coaches who are very important, like a Curtis Johnson, who's your wide receiver coach, to be back for the New Orleans Saints. As for the players who missed time, well, my hope, and after looking at the injury report, I think it's actually a really fair hope, is that the Saints are going to have most of their impact defenders back in the lineup. Just looking over what happened with the injury report, the main one here, you have Garner Johnson back at practice, Marshawn Lattimore, you have Pete Warner, P.J. Williams, Peyton Turner, Calvin Throckmorton. All those guys were listed as limited. You also have Peyton Turner listed as limited with an elbow, and then you have Tano Passigno, your defensive end who looked really good in week one gets injured in week two. He was a full participant. He was dealing with the calf injuries, which is why he sat out on Sunday. Remember, Garner Johnson, Lattimore, and Passanio all tried and worked out with trainers prior to the Panthers game, decided to not give it a go. And I think that's a good sign for their week three status, for them to miss week two but be so close. You get an extra week of rest. I think that's a good sign. As for the injury report as a whole, I kind of broke it into three parts, and you guys saw on Twitter, I already discussed it, but I'll just bring it up for anyone who hasn't seen yet. The bad news, and we'll start with the bad to get out of the way, Peyton Turner, uh, listed as limited with an elbow injury. I think the last thing you really want as a Saints fan is Peyton Turner, who, by the way, was sensational in week two, probably the only player who really had a great game for the Saints. The last thing you want is for Peyton Turner to be injured. Hopefully, this is just a minor thing, and you're almost monitoring this elbow injury and making sure it doesn't get worse. That would be the bad news. The really good news, Garner Johnson, Pete Werner, Marshawn Lattimore, all listed at limited. That is fantastic news, especially for Garner Johnson and Pete Werner. Lattimore, I kind of expect him to be limited for a while. I think that 
he's a guy who, with this thumb injury, you kind of just have to wait and see how it goes. Obviously, it's not something that you worry about long-term, but in the short-term, you want to make sure that it doesn't become a long-term problem. So that's why the Saints are monitoring there. And then the great news, absolutely great news, to know Pashino being a full participant at this rate, as long as he doesn't downgrade, I think it's pretty safe to say that he will be good to go for Sunday. If he's good to go, that gives you yet another pass rusher put in this rotation, which if the Saints are going to be dominant on the D-line, it's going to be because of the rotation. So you want Passino to be healthy. As for Peyton Turner, I already seen it for those who are watching the live stream and, and kind of put it in their thoughts over there. I, I really do believe that it's going to be the main conversation piece for a guy like Peyton Turner. It's not how good he can be because through one game, we saw the pressure rate was through the roof and I'll pull up a stat in a little bit. It's can he stay healthy? And a lot of you guys are hoping that he's not Marcus Davenport Jr., which if you look at their body sizes, they pretty much look like clones. I think Peyton Turner plays with a little bit more of a mean streak, though, which we kind of saw on Sunday against Carolina. And while I'm at it and talk about Peyton Turner, let me pull this up real quick because I thought it was so impressive. Mike Tannenbaum, who worked for ESPN, he's a former GM for the Miami Dolphins, New York Jets. He put out the first-round defensive ends, their pass rush production through two weeks. Peyton Turner, six pressures, one sack. That was in one game. For comparison, a guy like Jalen Phillips, two pressures, zero sacks in two games. So I think that Peyton Turner, absolutely, and oh, it's just one game, but in that one game, if you're a Saints fan, you're just going off what you have and the production that you saw, you're like, man, I hope this guy is good to go because this is a player who you can watch week in, week out and get really excited over. And just think about over the last two years, your defensive rookie of the years have been sensational pass rushers in one Nick Bosa and two Chase Young. And I'm not saying that Peyton Turner is going to be one of those guys. But if you're a Saints fan and you're seeing Turner dominate from the first game that he ever plays, you can't help but wonder, man, what can this kid be? Because it's not like they were fluke plays. You can go watch the footage. He is just bull rushing over left tackles on the Carolina Panthers. And that is something that you just can't replicate. You know, for you to just throw a veteran left tackle like a Cam Irving to the floor, I'm sorry, that's not a fluke. So I really do hope he's okay. And I am really, really, really interested to see what happens there. Now, I want to get over to the actual game plan side of things because I think that is something that is going to dictate what happens between the Patriots and the Saints. And one of the main topics that's kind of been going on Twitter and a lot of people DM me and I, I decided not to tweet about it because if someone DMs me at the Saints and then I tweet about it, I feel like they're going to think that I'm outing them, which is not the case at all. But I want to talk about it on the podcast. It's actually something that one of you guys brought up in the chat. It's Alvin Kamara. So I raved about Alvin after week one, and rightfully so. He was great, and they didn't overwork him. And then week two comes, and I just don't think Alvin really did much at all. Personally, I mean, the usage wasn't great. The Panthers had a really good plan to stop him, and he almost at times looked a little disinterested. And I had a lot of people say, is he not happy with the Saints, or is he frustrated with the play calling, or does he want out? What is going on? And first off, it's just one game. So before we shoot out all these takes, we got to really put everything into perspective. It's one game against a team that defended him very well. And, ag and again, the Saints were not going to be able to run the football because they decided to put themselves in such a big hole. And honestly, they didn't look like they had any interest in running the football anyway. They were just throwing the ball from the get-go. So that's a concern. And I think for Kamara, I think the one thing about him, and I, I like it and I don't like it at the same time, is I think he will never take unnecessary hits. It doesn't mean he's making business decisions, but you got to kind of live to see another down. And what's the point of him fighting for extra yards if they are down by a dramatic amount? Or what's the point of him fighting for extra yards if he doesn't believe he can get that first down? Now, it leads to him sometimes 
like a play in Carolina where he cut it short and he should have had the first down and he doesn't get the spot. But frankly, that's because he didn't really give his 100% effort. But on the other hand, you don't want Kamara getting hurt in a game you're getting blown out. So it's kind of a give and take with him. I think that you guys are absolutely right putting in the chat. I think Bill Belichick's going to want to take him out of the game because the one thing Belichick is so consistent with is he will not let your best weapon beat his defense. It doesn't matter if you're a tight end, wide receiver, quarterback, running back, doesn't matter. He is very hell-bent on that. Now, I do want to preface by saying the the Jets kind of proved last week, albeit they got blown out, that the Patriots are not great at stopping the run. And I'm going to talk about that in a little bit because I think that's very important to this game. As a receiver, though, it would not shock me in the slightest if the Patriots have some type of, whether it's a double team, whether it's actually putting a legitimate slot corner on Alvin Kamara, which I think the Cowboys did a couple of years ago on Thursday Night Football, and they had a lot of success with that. I think as a receiver, the Patriots are going to try and take Alvin Kamara out of this game. And that's important because that takes away your check down. That takes away your screen game. That takes away a lot of things from Alvin Kamara that he does so well. That doesn't mean he can't have a big game because, like I said, the Patriots can't stop the run. And I think that's something the Saints are going to have to exploit. But if Alvin Kamara does get limited as a pass catcher, where the hell do the Saints go is kind of the question that a lot of people want to know because Marquez Callaway hasn't shown up. Traquan Smith is out. Michael Thomas is still going to miss time. Chris Hogan, well, he had that nice touchdown against the Packers, didn't do anything against the Panthers. Little Jordan Humphrey, not really sure you can really rely on him. So the Saints receiving corpse, and you know we thought a guy like Troutman would step up. He hasn't done it. So the receiving corpse is leaving a lot to be desired, and I do kind of wonder what happens if Alvin gets taken out. So I really do think it's really important, and that's why I, I mention it, and I'll just get into it while I'm at it. The run game is imperative for this game. And I can't stress it enough. And the Jets were able to run for over 150 rushing yards against the Patriots in a game where, let's be real, they, they were not even competitive. Zach Wilson threw four picks. The passing game wasn't there. And yet, even though the Patriots knew that the Jets couldn't pass the football, they couldn't stop the run. I found that very interesting. I think that's something that the Saints can use to their advantage. And remember, when you run the football well, like you did against the Packers, what does that set up? That sets up your play action pass. That puts you in good field position. That takes less pressure off of Jameis Winston, who, let's be real, is going to face a lot of exotic coverages from Bill Belichick. And I know it's a weird word to use, but I think it's the best word to use for the way that a Bill Belichick defense is. Bill Belichick loves to give you things and coverages that you do not expect. And the reason he does that is he's trying to trick you and make you think that someone's open and they're not open. Instead of you throwing to a guy who you think is going to be open, that might end up being a pick. And that's something that Jameis Winston's obviously going to have to be careful with. But it all starts up front for the Saints. They got to be better. And I think it can't get worse than last week. I want to say that. It cannot get worse than last week. But I think that the Saints are going to have a much better performance up front. Just before I get to the next topic, you guys asked why hasn't Stills been brought up yet. I wish I knew, man. I wish I knew. I would love to see Kenny Stills brought up this week. He can't possibly be worse than what the Saints are using at wide receiver right now. and. Look, Kenny Stills has experience going up against the Patriots. He's played in the AFC for a while, especially on the Dolphins. He kind of knows what to expect from a Bill Belichick defense. I think this is the week to bring him up. Yet again, you guys also mentioned Chris Hogan, former Patriots. So the Saints have some receivers there who have some potential of maybe knowing what to expect from a Bill Belichick defense, which is very important. On the defensive side of things, man, I want to see, and I I don't know if he's going to play. So I have to put that out there before I say what I'm about to say. But I would love to see Pete Warner at linebacker because there's there's three reasons why. 
First, I loved him at Ohio State. I know a lot of people were upset with the pick because they wanted Jabril Cox from LSU, and I get it, man. If, if you're from Louisiana, you're like, man, I want Jabril Cox. I don't blame you at all. He was really fun with the Tigers. But Pete Werner at Ohio State was an absolute beast in terms of just doing your job. Do your job, be in the right spot, make the tackle you have to, and cover when you need to. And that's something that he did very well. So he's he was good at Ohio State. That intrigued me. He can cover in space. That also intrigues me. And then three, I do not think Pete Werner can be any worse than what Zach Bond was in week two. And I like Zach Bond, but Zach Bond got basically just attacked nonstop throughout the game over the middle of the field. Carolina sought him out, thought he was the weak spot for the Saints defense, and they exploited it. Does not matter if it was McCaffrey, whether it was Dan Arnold? They went after him. And now I want to see Pete Werner who can defend the run, who can defend the pass. And I think Pete Warner's ability to defend the pass has actually been a really underrated trait for him. I think that is going to be important. Now, I want to, I see you guys mentioned the chat. I'm going to bring it out there. I do agree. I think that McCaffrey's going to, he's going to fry whoever you got out there. I I don't think that's a question. But when Bond just looks lost in coverage for the majority of the game, that obviously is very, very, very concerning. And for a Saints team that obviously needs Quan and he's not healthy, I think it's important to kind of see what Pete Werner can do because at this point, if you're the Saints, you always know what you got on DeMario. What do you have next to him? And I, and I really hope that Werner gets a shot. And obviously, I still want to see Zach Bond play, but I like when Zach Bond is north to south, not east to west. And the, the Panthers did a good job of getting him in situations where he was east to west, and that's where you're going to get him. So I really do think that would that's going to be a concern for me, but I want to see if Pete Werner can play. Another player that I want to see step up, whether it is just not a lack of production right now or just not a lack of opportunity, Marquez Callaway. I know that the Patriots usually don't let you just beat them over the top. So I'm not saying Callaway is going to come out here and have a big game because I did that last week and it didn't work to my advantage here. But where is Marquez Callaway? Because I find it very odd. I think Marquez Callaway is someone who he didn't just play well in the preseason. He looked sensational in the preseason. I know the preseason isn't the regular season. And I kind of think this is going to be a valuable lesson for all of us moving forward. But I thought Callaway would be much better. And the fact that he's not doing anything right now, and I know a lot of it has to do with the O-line not holding up. And if the O-line doesn't hold up, Winston doesn't have time to look for his receivers. But Callaway has been disappointing. And I really do hope that he kind of bounces back this week. I think that he needs a game to really just get his confidence going. And I know a lot of you guys have said it, and I totally agree. When Michael Thomas comes back, that's going to make life a lot easier for Callaway. But you'd like to see Callaway have at least one big game during Michael Thomas's absence. And, and boy, we know the Saints absolutely need it. So before I get into what we need to know for this matchup, I'll show you guys have a couple of questions for those watching the live stream, and I'll pull it up real quick. Uh, now that Roby has a little bit more time to learn defense, do you think he'll be more solid? I absolutely do think so. I, I'm not worried about Bradley Roby in the slightest. I think that he is going to be a very fine addition to the Saints secondary, and he was able to still make plays. The the funny thing is, a lot of us kind of thought the Saints secondary got torched on Sunday, and then you went back and you looked. The average separation for the Panthers receiver was only about like 1.4 yards. Darnold was actually just thrown into tight windows and was was making plays, and I think that's a good sign for a secondary that was missing Marshawn Lattimore, that was missing C.J. Garner Johnson. I think that's a good sign for the New Orleans Saints, but also a good sign for Bradley Roby. Do you think Marshawn Lattimore plays? I kind of think Marshawn Lattimore plays, but I want to say this. I don't think Lattimore needs to play. The Patriots are not a team that is overwhelming at wide receiver. They're overwhelming at other spots. Wide receiver is not one of them. Kendrick Bourne, Nelson Aglor, Jacoby Myers, none of those names are like the dominant threats that can just take over a ball game. And the Patriots are not a passing team right now. They're really a run the football, take the check down, move the sticks type of team. 
I don't think Lattimore needs to play, but I do think if Lattimore wants to play, he will, because I do think he's healthy enough to play. Now, I see one of you guys just thrown in there, uh, but I need to know if you've seen Shang-Chi yet. Yes, I have. I thought it was awesome. Little Marvel sidetrack, but I have seen it. Probably should see it again. Maybe maybe on Disney Plus or something when it comes out for sure. Uh, and yeah, Roby did absolutely look good. I, I think he's going to look even better with another week of preparation, another week to kind of just feel comfortable in Dennis Allen's system. Now, things to know about the Patriots Saints game, because that's obviously important. You don't want to go into this game blind. You don't want to go into this game not knowing anything about the New England Patriots. I know you guys know about your New Orleans Saints, so let's look at the New England Patriots side of things. I think for this one, one thing to know that's really important is Mac Jones does not play turnover football. He just hasn't yet. He hasn't thrown an interception through two games. He's completed 73.9% of his passes. Mac Jones is all about efficiency and just kind of making sure the team stays on pace and on, on the right page. And he's done that. He doesn't really force the issue. He doesn't really look for something that's not there. And that's important. And, and why that's important is because the Saints are a team, at least through the first two weeks, they've actually forced turnovers. And it's going to be tough against a Mac Jones who doesn't really turn over the football. On the flip side, what could go to the Saints' advantage? Mac Jones has not stretched the field, or at least he hasn't stretched the field yet. Actually, and this stat actually kind of blew my mind when I saw it, He's averaging just 5.6 air yards per pass attempt. Now, I know us Saints fans absolutely despise air yards. I mean, I know I despise them. I feel like they were kind of made to attack the Saints for the last three years to say that they didn't move the ball with Drew Brees. I feel like that's what air yards were created for. But anyway, when it comes to air yards, Mac Jones is towards the bottom of the league. Fifth lowest mark, actually, in air yards. So the Saints, maybe you don't have to worry about them stretching over the top of the field which the Saints have done a good job at. You can knock the Saints defense for a couple of things here and there. They have not been beat on really beat, uh, big plays, which is something that they struggled with last year, the year before that, and haven't done that yet. So that's kudos to Marcus Williams, kudos to Malcolm Jenkins. So I, I do think that the Saints, it's kind of been, it's going to be a field position game because you know that Mac doesn't like to turn it over, but you also know that he doesn't really like to just stretch the ball down the field. So it's going to come down to who has better field position, who's willing to take the field goals. It really is going to be one of those games where I hate to say it, it's going to be a slugfest. It's going to be 19 to 16. It's going to be 20 to 17. It's going to be 16 to 13. I think it's going to be one of those games. I just find it very hard to believe that a Bill Belichick team, which has been playing really efficient on both sides, but not really stellar. And then a Sean Payton team, which is hot and cold, are all going to just come together and have some type of shootout in Foxborough. I don't see it at all. I just can't, especially when both teams are good defensively. So. When I say it's field position, I mean it. It's absolutely field position. What else do you kind of need to know for this game? I think when you talk about a game that's all about field position, all about slugfest and defense, you need a reliable field goal kicker. You absolutely need one. The Saints didn't really get a chance to see if Aldrick Rosas can be that guy in week two because they only had seven points on the board. And even when they were in field goal range, it was a pick here, it was a sack there. They didn't just didn't do their job to give Rosas a chance. Patriots, on the other hand, they got a reliable kicker in Nick Folk, who has not missed yet this season. He was really good against the Jets. I believe he had four field goals against New York last week. That's important because we know when Will Lutz is healthy, the Saints have a reliable kicker. Do they have one in Aldrich Rosas? Well, we're going to find out. And hopefully, hopefully the answer is yes, because if not, that's a game that you could lose because you don't have an efficient kicker. So I'm really actually worried about that. That is something that's high on my list in terms of concern is the Patriots can win that kicking battle. Can the Saints match up, though? Because it's a game where you're going to have to... Three points is a big win in a slugfest. I know that sucks, but it's the truth. So I'm, I'm going to look at that. And then J.C. Jackson, that is the name. If you're a Saints fan, 
You do not want to hear JC Jackson's name during the broadcast. Not one bit, because this is a guy who pretty much has an interception every single game at this rate. He had nine last year. He's already got two this year. And this is a player who I know Stephon Gilmore is not there right now because of injury. JC Jackson can hold his own weight and he is a game changer. He is a turnover creator for the Patriots. If you're the New Orleans Saints, you do not want to hear JC Jackson's name. I'm not saying you don't target JC Jackson. He's not prime Darrell Revis, but man, he is a, a playmaker for that New England secondary. So I'm really interested to see what happens there. You guys are asking how much longer is Will Lutz out? Saw a video of him kicking. Yeah, look, I, I still think Will Lutz, you're looking at maybe, maybe November. I, I think November would be the dream scenario for him because it is a long process. I remember when they said it could be like anywhere from eight to 10 weeks. And I, I think if we're going off that timeline, I think November is a nice little target area for Will Lutz. Man, I would love to see him back there for sure. Now, what is the keys to victory? Well, you guys brought it up and you guys have done a good job of actually mentioning it the whole time. Their run defense, I think that is where they're going to get exposed. I think that is where the Saints are going to have success. So if we're going to start about keys to victory, let's start off with the main key. You got to run the football. I don't care if it's with Alvin Kamara. I don't care if it's Tony Jones Jr. Run the football. It sets up the play action. It takes the pressure off Jameis. It does everything well. There is no reason why the Saints didn't run the football last week. There's no reason. They just looked like they weren't interested in getting that part of the ground game going, so they didn't do it. And I would like to see them do it against a team that gave up 152 yards to Michael Carter, Ty Johnson, and Tevin Coleman. I think the Saints can have success in that department, and if they do, then who knows? That's how you take the pressure off Winston. If not, you telling Winston to win the game against Bill Belichick's defense you're asking for a lot there. You're asking for an awful lot. So the run game needs to show up. I think when the run game shows up, the one thing that does well is that frees up the O-line mistakes. You're not going to worry about a, a free rusher when you're running the football. That's never on your list of concerns. So I think that if they run the football, it opens up a lot for this team. I also think the O-line, obviously an easy key here. They need to be better. This Patriots D-line did a good job last week against Zach Wilson. They had four sacks. They forced him into so many mistakes. He had four interceptions, guys, four of them. It's pretty insane. They need to be better. And I find it hard to believe that a Sean Payton-led team will have back-to-back -back bad performances on the O-line. I think they're going to be much improved. But it begs to ask the question that who was responsible for the miscues? Was Jameis not reading the blitz correctly? Was Cesar Ruiz not reading out the defense correctly? Because remember, when you're the center, there's a lot more on your plate than when you're the right guard. So I think that is very, very interesting. Does Ruiz even start at center this week? I think that's a question to ask. So I really want to see how this O-line holds up. I can't see them being as bad as last week. They need to be much better. I don't know if they could be as dominant as they were in week one, but man, you can't be as bad as you were in week two. And if they're just good enough, I think it opens up the run game, opens up a lot because you can't have this Patriots defense dictate the game. What you really want is the Saints defense to dictate the game. So that is important. So you guys asking, where's Will Clapp? He's injured right now. So that's not going to be an option for the Saints at the moment. And my third kind of key to this one, and I'm not going to go all about the offense. Defense obviously has to do their, their side of the job and limiting the uh, Damian Harris. I think Damian Harris is probably right now the most underrated uh, back in football right now because he just continues to produce. It doesn't matter if it is against the Dolphins. doesn't matter if it's against the Jets. He's kind of pretty much the, the main cog on offense right now. He is the guy who gets the chains moving, who keeps the ball rolling, and kind of takes all the load off of Mac Jones in the sense that he doesn't have to feel about a third and 10 or a third and eight or a third and 13. They're in good yardage situations. So if the Saints can get out in front and limit Damian Harris's production, that's going to allow you to kind of pin your ears back as a pass rusher 
get after Mac Jones, maybe force him into a third and long. So stopping Damian Harris, getting your ground game going, and for the love of God, O-line protect. Those are three really, really big keys for this game. Now I'm going to answer some more questions that you guys dropped the chat, and I'm going to get to my final little spiel uh, for this game because I do think that this game is going to be a fun one, albeit not high scoring. First question you guys have there. You think Callaway has a breakout game? Man, I said last week he was going to have a breakout game, and apparently he decided that last week was his bye week. So, although the whole offense thought it was the bye week last week. So, I'm not going to even say it's his breakout game. I, I won't do it. I think that one player who I would like to see have a breakout game is, is Deontay Harris, because like I said, in a field position game, a punt return changes everything, or a kickoff return changes any, anything, or a screen pass changes a lot. So, I think Deontay Harris is the guy that I'm going to keep an eye out on. I would love to see him have a big play or two. Do you think MT is coming back after the bye week? I do think that Michael Thomas comes back on Halloween. I know the Seattle game is after the bye week, and that kind of seems like a nice scenario there, but then they play six days later, and I just don't know if the Saints want Michael Thomas to play two games in a span of six days. That seems kind of risky to me. I would sit him till Halloween. I kind of think that's what's going to happen. I think we'll see him on Halloween. Do you think the O-line starters will start again, or will Ryder start at center and Ruiz at right guard? I I'm actually really curious. I think that's a fantastic question. And I wish I had the answer for you, but I do think after week two, if you're the Saints, do you feel comfortable starting Ruiz at right guard? Do, do you feel, I mean, at center, excuse me, but on the flip side, do you feel comfortable with starting a guy who just signed two weeks ago at center? So I think this is a tough spot for the Saints. And I think what's really frustrating is you've had the two ends of the spectrum. Like I said, great game against the Packers, terrible game against the Panthers. And if you're Sean Payton, do you just chalk up week two as an absolute shit show that just didn't go in your favor? And just kind of hope that Ruiz just figures it out? Or do you kind of rely with fresh blood? I really don't know the answer here. I would probably roll the dice with Ruiz one more time. I think continuity is really important. But if they put Ruiz back at right guard, I can't blame them at all because Ruiz at center was a pretty uh, pretty disappointing, in my opinion. Random, but what happened with Brian Poole? Brian Poole got injured in the preseason, and then they put him on IR, effectively ended his year. I don't remember what the injury was exactly, but yeah, he is not playing for the Saints this year, which is really unfortunate because I thought that he really would have been a nice piece for this secondary. Similar question with Caesar struggles at center. Do you think they start Austin at, at center and put Reeves back at guard? Again, I think that's a fantastic question, and I can't wait to see what the Saints do because one, that's going to tell you what they think of Reeves at center for the long term because if they put him at right guard. We can all end that talk about eventually McCoy being the right guard and Reeves being the center. I just don't see it. So I think that really is interesting to see what happens there. Uh, Jameis was saying the communication errors were on him. Look, one, that's Jameis being accountable. Two, some of it was on him. But three, I do not believe that they were all on Jameis Winston. I believe some of it was on Jameis Winston, but I do actually wonder how much was also on the O-line. How much longer until Peyton Turner starts over Davenport? Man, look, if Peyton Turner continues to play at the level we saw in week two, I think as a Saints fan, I don't even think you think about, does he start over Marcus Davenport? You think to yourself, is he your Cam Jordan replacement for the long term? And my God, that would, I'm not going to say that would bring a tear to my eye, but that would make me so happy to think for the, for imagine, you know, a lot of us Saints fans get on Cam Jordan's case. He's kind of reached that point of his career where he's on the downslope. Man, he was so good for the Saints for a decade. And if the Saints can find a defensive end to kind of replace that production for a decade, man, that changes so much. So, in the short term, I absolutely believe that Peyton Turner can be a replacement for Marcus Davenport. But if he could be the Cam Jordan replacement, I think that that would be really, really, really awesome for the New Orleans Saints. 
So since the Saints had their bye week already, shouldn't MT be back by now? Yeah, look, the Saints decided on week two the offense was getting a bye week. Don't know why, but that's pretty much what it looked like. Uh, it'll be really, really interesting to see. Our O-line depth is really thin, so we signed some help. I, they already kind of looked at help. I think that the fact that McCoy hasn't gone on IR, and I should have mentioned this at the top of the podcast, so I, I apologize for not doing so. McCoy not going on IR for me is a great sign that he'll be back sooner than it's expected, whether that's next week against the Giants, whether that's a following week against Washington. I think that if you're the Saints, if you put Eric McCoy on IR, he would have already been two games down after this week and then one more to go. And then if you don't do it, that kind of makes you think he's not going to miss three weeks. So I think McCoy is going to be back sooner than later for sure. Reese has a lot of experience at center besides last season, so I think he'll be fine. I would love to think that he didn't show it last week. He showed it in week one, though. We'll see what happens. Week three is going to be interesting for him. Non-Saints related question, your favorite MCU character. Well, since you said MCU, I am going to go Thor because I really liked what they did with him in Ragnarok, Infinity War, and Endgame. However, if you're just saying Marvel character in general, I'm a big Spider-Man guy. I'm also a big Deadpool guy. Those are kind of like my top two. I do also love Daredevil. I'm a sucker for basically anything Marvel, but MCU, I'm going to go Thor. Are you going to fly to Seattle for the game? Probably not. I do not want to have my ears blown off and a potential loss by that fan base, but I will be probably live streaming that game, to be honest. Big Fish has played horrible. Our tight end position continues to disappoint. Yeah. Yeah. I thought Trauma was going to be really good this year, guys, and he has been really disappointing. So, if Trauma ever wants to have a breakout game, please do it this week because I, I do think fans are losing their patience with a guy who it's one thing not to be a, pa a a good pass catcher right now, but he's also not blocking well. He whiffed on a lot of blocks against Carolina, and that's something he did so well last year. Kind of hope that he can figure that out. And two more. I feel like Turner and Davenport should be the DNs, and Cam and Anyamata should be the DTs. Look, I absolutely agree. I, I absolutely agree. I actually kind of thought about this. If you're the Saints, you do not want to be that guy who, you know, you, you cut Cam Jordan a year too early and then you end up having so much dead cash space. What if Cam Jordan could kind of slide inside and become a playmaker? Because I don't think he's completely washed up. I think that's a lie. But I do think when you put him at defensive end, I think that is really, really tough for Cam Jordan because now Cam Jordan's got to keep up with faster players, whether it's a quarterback like Aaron Rodgers or a quarterback like Sam Darnold. That's just not fair for him. Kicking him inside, maybe that works. Which position group do you think is the most talented on the team? I think it has to be the defensive ends. I, I think the defensive ends, when healthy, you got Cam Jordan, you got Marcus Davenport, you got Carl Granderson, you got Tano Passanio, you got Peyton Turner. There are not a lot of NFL teams who could give you five quality defensive ends. I know we're going to get on Davenport and Cam Jordan's case and everyone's case, but they got five talented defensive ends. I think when healthy, the linebacker group is actually a really strong group as well, but also a little bit unproven with Bond and Werner. But honestly... Every time I think about it, it's always the linebackers, the defensive ends. I'll go defensive ends. And I'm also interested to see corner. Let's see what happens with the Debo. Let's see what happens with Roby. Can Crawley should come back with Lattimore? Who knows? That, that could end up being a nice group for the Saints as well. Um, yeah, it's been the drops for Adam Troutman. It's been absolutely the concern. Uh, and for anyone wondering, you said, watch tonight's What If episode. I already did. Caught it in the morning. I thought it was pretty damn fun. It was like a party Thor. Nice little spin on the character. I, I definitely enjoyed that for sure. And yes, I do agree. The safety position, I don't know if you guys heard, I did a podcast this week on for Full Press Saints with my guy, Alec, and he asked me, what is one takeaway for the Saints positive from week two? And my God, week two is awful. But I told him, I said, the safety play for the Saints through the first two weeks of the season has been really good. Marcus Williams has been fantastic. Malcolm Jenkins has been a really good acquisition for the last two years. I love this safety group. They don't have the depth necessarily, but if you consider Gardner Johnson as a safety, 
then yeah, I, I, I think that that group deserves to be in the mix for which position group do you think is the most talented on the team? Now, before I wrap this up, guys, which by the way, I love all the comments and questions you put in there. I, I really do greatly appreciate it every single week. So as long as you guys are, are going to be in here, throw them in there. I'll, I'll mention whatever you guys put up. I'll put on the screen and, uh, screen and we'll chat. Uh, I really do appreciate it. Before I do that, though, I want to have my final, final little take here on this Saints-Patriots game. And I, and I do wonder what happens here. So besides the X's and O's, because I could rattle off the air yards. I could rattle off the run game for both sides. I could rattle off so many stats here. But I think at the end of the day, football is kind of like, what is the mindset that, for that day? What is the mentality that players have going into this one? And I thought about this yesterday. I kind of thought about it throughout the week because I see the Patriots media keeps talking about it. Next week, New England plays Tampa Bay. Week four, Sunday night football, Tom Brady's homecoming to New England. You know that game is going to be talked about. And rightfully so. The, the, the storyline writes itself. But I, I just can't help but wonder because the media is constantly asking the, you know, the, the Patriots coaches and the Patriots players about next week's game. Before you get to week four to play the Buccaneers, Patriots, you got to play the Saints. And I just can't help but wonder what if they do overlook the Saints. I think that actually does obviously greatly help the Saints. And, I, and I, I'm not saying that it will happen because Bill Belichick is one of the best, if not the best coach in the NFL. But you can only control so much as a coach. And you know there's got to be some guys on the Patriots who are looking at week four. Because, man, they would love to beat Brady. That would be a statement to a guy who just won the Super Bowl, left them, went in Tampa Bay. I'm not saying the Patriots are going to overlook the Saints. But I'm also not saying they're not going to overlook the Saints. If you get what I'm saying, I really do think that this is a factor here. And I think you'll find out early. I think the Saints come out and get at a hot start and they get a little bit of a lead, whether it's you know a quick 7-0 start or a quick 10-0 start. I think you can kind of be able to read if the Patriots looked ahead. Now, that gives them time to come back and win that game. But I think for the Saints, you kind of want to start quick. And if they do, I can't help but wonder if that plays a factor. I, I do think that I've seen it before. I think with Belichick, the odds of it happening are way less than if it was a different team. But let's not act like us Saints fans have never been victims of looking ahead. It's happened before. Not blaming the fans. Fans can't control anything. The players, though, I would say the Eagles game last year was a, a perfect example of it. So I think that is its possibility. I'm not saying it's going to happen, but I do think it's something to consider. As for this game, who I'm taking, I don't know. I flip-flopped so many times. I'm going to be honest with you guys. I flip-flopped so many times. On Monday, I thought Saints, and on Tuesday, I thought Patriots, and today on Wednesday, I was thinking Saints, and I, I kind of put it this way. If the Saints just do a good job of just controlling field position and making their field goal attempts, and, and the second one is the biggest one here, I think the Saints win 19-16. to 16. I really feel that way. However, if they're not kicking well, I think the Saints are going to be the team that ends up on the losing end by three points. I, I know that's such a, a, a cop-out. But I really do feel that way. I really do think if the Saints and Aldrick Rosas is kicking well, I think they win this game by a field goal. I think they're the I think they're a better team than New England Patriots. I do think that the Patriots, granted, are one and one just like the Saints, struggled against Miami and beat a, a Jets team where Zach Wilson threw four picks. So how are you not going to win when Zach Wilson throws four picks? So I really do think that the Saints have a very good shot to get back on track here and win that game. But field position is going to be paramount. And being able to convert on your scoring opportunities, even greater. And I want to see the tone the sets, the Saints set. They do a really, really good job of setting the tone early. And you can tell when the Saints are invested on just dominating on the ground. And you can tell when Sean Payton has no interest in running the football. After having no interest in running the football last week, I can guarantee you the Saints are going to run the football with purpose this week. 
And I think that's really important. Now, before I bounce, I see you guys have some kind of questions and, and comments here. So I'm going to pull them up on the screen for about two, three more minutes, and then we'll bounce here. But let's get to them. I saw a Saints fan post on Twitter a while back. If Winston was to throw for 5,000 yards, 35 touchdowns, and 12 INTs and lead us to the NFC title game, do we pay or franchise tag him? Here's my belief on this Jameis Winston thing. If those are the numbers, I probably pay him. But I, I just don't think those are going to be the numbers. I don't know. And the reason I say that is I think that this Saints offense is not going to be that explosive. I, I just don't see it. If those are the numbers, though, yeah, you'd probably pay him because if, if those are the production and the stat line for Jameis Winston, then, man, there's probably a lot of big games that are to come this season, and that would be really great. And remember, he's only 27, and it's his first year starting for the Saints. That would be really encouraging. I don't know if that's going to happen. I would probably lean towards it's not going to happen. And I'm still under the belief the Saints don't currently have their quarterback of the future on the roster, but there are 15 games left, and those are 15 opportunities for Jameis Winston to prove me wrong and prove everyone wrong, and that's good. So I want to see what happens, but it all starts Sunday against New England after a rough start. Can Jameis Winston bounce back? I think he can, but he's got to show us that he can. Uh, shout out to my guy Ryan over here in the chat. I absolutely see him. And yeah, red zones, look, touchdowns are going to be important. Absolutely important. But at the end of the day, in a slugfest, three points are going to be important too. And, and I think the most, you know, the, the really, really crucial thing here is a turnover battle. Can the Saints take care of the football? Didn't do that last week. Did it against the Packers. If they take care of the football, whether it's a field goal or a touchdown, as long as they're putting up points, I, I think they'll be able to win this game for sure. Hard to hear that. The explosive offense was a lot of fun to watch. I love explosive offense. I love it. Give me great offense over great defense. But... I think right now what the Saints are currently constructed, I think the Saints are really a defensive team who have an offensive genius at coach. And that's where they will have some explosive games, but it's not going to be that consistent because they are lacking talent. I do think Michael Thomas coming back would change a lot for the Saints, but right now he's not here. So we kind of just have to live with what's going on there. Uh, you guys put it in there and I, I, I just got to mention it. I'm glad you guys said it. Taysom Hill looked really good against the Panthers. And I do absolutely think it's time the Saints use a little Taysom Hill because not only does Taysom take pressure off James Winston, Taysom's the one dude, regardless of the score, just got energy. And you don't have to like Taysom Hill, but man, you got to respect him. And especially in that kind of gadget role, whether he's running the football or being a receiver or being the H-back, I think he's a tremendous piece to the Saints team. And you're asking if the Saints are going to believe the top set, are they going to be a top seven team in the NFC? They're going to be a top seven team in the NFC. They're going to need Taysom Hill to start playing a little bit too and getting more snaps because I think Taysom regardless of what you think about him as a quarterback, as a football player, it's pretty damn good. Last thing, and I'll wrap it up here. I wonder if Kenny Stills plays this week. I would hope he does because they need pop. They need some type of burst and they just need some energy in this, in this offense. So I think that in my opinion, maybe he plays, but I really am not. I, I, I don't want to make any promises because he didn't play last week, although it was his first week back. But I think the Saints can use some burst. I would love to see Kenny Stills on this offense. I lied. I'll do one more just because you guys put it in there. If we ever traded for Mims, do we still trade for uh, draft Olave? I would absolutely draft Olave regardless. That is my guy. He's one of my favorite prospects at Ohio State. Now, granted, it's all circumstantial. Who knows what the Saints are going to need more? They definitely need receivers, though. I, I can't stress that enough. I would absolutely love seeing Chris Olave on the New Orleans Saints, though. And I do agree, and I'll wrap it up with this, guys. Week one was rough. Uh, week one was great. Week two was really rough. If you're the New Orleans Saints, week three is where you kind of show people 
what's the answer? Are you're not as good as you were week one? You're not as bad as you were week two. But what's the middle ground for the New Orleans Saints? A win over the Patriots, regardless of what the scoreboard would look like, would shut up a lot of people because this is a Patriots team that a lot of people are thinking is a wild card playoff team. You beat them on the road and then you come back to New Orleans to face a bad Giants team for week four. That's how you build momentum. That's how you become a really good team in the NFC. That's how you potentially get a wild card spot, maybe even compete for the division. But it all starts week three. Saints got to bounce back. They can do it. I don't know if they will, but they definitely have the potential to do it. If they're kicking well, I say the Saints win 19-16, but we'll see what happens on Sunday. I appreciate you guys all coming in the chat. I hope you guys have a great rest of your week. I will be live tweeting this game, and I'll be on the Straight Up Saints podcast live streaming right after the game's over. Fingers crossed it's a victory, but who you know? we'll kind of see what happens. But I'm hoping the Saints can improve to 2-1. Really appreciate you guys. I'll talk to you guys soon. Let's go Saints. You're listening to the Straight Up Saints podcast.